Our scripture this morning can be found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then they appeared, uh, there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called over to her and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered to him and said, you hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away and give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We come seeking so many things, God. We come with just as many questions. We want truth, even if that truth leads us on a journey of revelation, confession, even if that journey changes lives, especially if the truth that we know and live changes lives. This is our prayer. We ask that you would grant it to each of us in whatever way it comes today, in the name of Christ. Amen. She came in alone. She found her way in the back, you know, her normal seat. She had been coming all of her life. They were glad to see her. She was part of the community, but always on the fringe because she could never really enter in. She sat there. We're not sure what she liked most about the worship. Maybe it was the ritual. Maybe it was reminding her of, of everyone who they were in a larger context that they were sons and daughters of Abraham. Maybe she just liked not being alone. She entered, and she expected to get out of worship that day what she had gotten out of worship before, a break from the routine and the monotony, relief, respite, maybe friendship. 
What you did not expect was to become a part of the worship experience. What they did not expect was that somehow from the back, she would be brought into the center light. That was, well, not only not expected, it wasn't allowed. I mean, for many reasons. First of all, that's not what worship is here. And I'm sorry, but she was a woman, and they're not allowed up front for any reason in this place. But there was not a typical Sunday or Saturday night or Sabbath worship or, well, you get the idea. Had a guest. I had a guest who didn't understand that worship was about routine and ritual and the regimented and the expected. They gathered together and worship. Sometimes, like I think we do, we come with expectations out of our past experiences that so lock in what has to happen on that day, we aren't open to other possibilities. You know, you come in and you hope to see some friends and hear some really good music and hear some really dynamic, powerful preaching. You know what you expect. But the truth is, sometimes I think we come into worship using Bishop Reuben Job's three simple rules as our baseline for worship. Do no harm. Do a little good. Maybe help you grow a little bit closer to God. That might be our expectations. We're not really expecting lives to change. We're sure not expecting truth to be told. I mean, not the real truth, not the capital T truth, not the truth that's revealing everything. No, we've learned how to conceal most of that. Especially the parts of our lives where we're bent over, worn out, scared. Past week, a number of us went to go see the movie Big Eyes. As the trailer suggests, it's a story of Margaret Keene. She was an artist who I really didn't know much about, but I do remember her paintings. Yes, I'm old enough to remember her paintings. She painted pictures of big-eyed children that we used to see when I was growing up in the 60s. And the movie is a story of her life as an artist and very simply her life being taken over by her husband. Her second marriage. He woos her. And she marries him out of love, I suspect, but also out of need. He'll take care of her and her daughter. And isn't long before he begins to do more than take care of her, he takes her over. In a series of events that when you first see it seem to be, well, almost plausible, he begins to take credit for her art. After all, he's more of a salesman. He's more of the guy who can get it out there into the public eye. So it's okay that he takes credit for what she's doing. She'll benefit, and she did. They made more money. He took advantage of her vulnerability. He told her that people would never buy 
women's art. So what began as a simple lie quickly spun out of control. And as the pictures gained more fame, the lie got bigger and moved to being a sham against a much larger community. One lie led to another, and then another, and then another. And each lie, with each powerful lie, the more she caved, the more she shrank. As an artist, she used to paint out in the park in the sunlight. But as the lie grew bigger, she was shunned into a dinky, dark attic room to make creations that she could never tell others that she was painting, not even her own daughter. You see, once you're caught up in those lies, you lie to everyone, even the ones you love the most. Together, they lied to the world, and she carried within her a burden of shame and broken spirit. She was the bent-over woman in the passage that Jeremy just read to you, but she's not alone. Over the years, I have walked with many who have been the bent-over woman. Some have been women, some have been men, some have been children, some have been youth. They've all been struggling with weights upon them that were capturing their spirit and containing them within very tight confines. They were burdened by lies by abuse, by addiction, by betrayal, by shame, by fear, by images and messages of worthlessness. Each had their own unique story. But there have been common denominators as well. Most got to where they are because they began to believe the lies. The lies they were told, the lies they began to tell themselves. When I first saw this movie, and I saw it about two weeks ago for the first time, I thought this movie was predominantly about lying. I even talked to the manager at Great Lakes Crossing, and he was asking me, was this movie going to be okay? I said, yeah, I can work with this. It's about lying. I can get something out of that. I mean, after all, the message on lying probably makes sense, right? Have any of you lied? So now, because not all of you raised your hands, you can officially say you have all lied. (laughs) Have any of you been lied to? Oh, let's get our hands up for that. Let's be clear. (laughs) Have you ever told a lie to cover up a lie? Oh, and then told another lie to cover up that lie and... Have any of you changed your behavior, done something different to cover up a lie that you told previously so that it had greater plausibility? Maybe for some of us, that's why this movie was uncomfortable. Maybe for some of us, that's why we could relate to it. We understand the power of lies, and they are mighty powerful. And that's the amazing thing about lies, they start off so simple. And it's like putting a 10-pound weight on your back. You can move around with a 10-pound weight. You can actually probably keep a regular gait for a while. Then when the extra 10-pound weight comes and finally you're carrying 100 pounds on your back, you're bent over. 
A number of you came out and told me, I, love, I really do appreciate this. I love you guys for this. This is really helpful to me. After the movie, you come out and tell me what I should preach the next Sunday. And that, that's good. I, I need that. And uh, I usually don't do it. But I really appreciate the suggestion. The men's group, every Friday morning and Thursday night, goes over the scripture for the following Sunday. And they're always ready to tell me how I got it wrong. And I love that. A number of you told me that I should really use the scripture for today from John 8, and the truth shall set you free. And you were right. It would have been a good passage for today. That would have been a great passage if this sermon was predominantly about lying. But it's not. Because I watched this movie a second time. And I was watching it the second time. I began to realize this is not just about lying. It's lying in a particular context. It's about abuse. It's about abuse. Lies are told to keep power in the hands of the abuser. In the case of addiction, lies are told so that addiction can stay in power. In emotional or physically abusive relationships, lies are told so the abuser can continue to manipulate and control others. If it's about being a bully, the bully believes lies about him or herself that they have the right to actually act that way to other people, and those abused begin to buy into the lies. They begin to believe the false truth about themselves and their situation, and they get trapped, and that's what's so interesting about the insidiousness of this. We get angry, for those of us who are on the outside, we get angry at the abuser. And we get anger, angry at the abused. How could you let this happen? Why would she let him take her art? Why would she allow herself to be getting to a place where she would lie to her daughter? We get angry. The second time, Tuesday night, I sat and watched the movie with Pastor Amy sitting next to me. That was a trip. It didn't take a master's degree in body language to understand what she was going through in the movie. She started off angry and got worse as the movie went on. I could feel the tension in her body. And of course, if I missed the tension every once in a while, she would lean over to me and tell me just how much she hated that guy. And of course, she was right. Some of us were a little angry at her, not Amy, but Margaret. Like, come on, stand up for yourself. I can't ever see myself getting myself in that situation. When you start to believe the wrong messages, the lies, it's amazing what situations you can find yourselves in. In all my years of ministry, for all the victims of abuse and addiction and betrayal, and for all the abusers and the betrayers, I have never had one person say to me, oh, I meant to do all that. I started out with that as my goal. Almost to a fault, everyone has said, I never thought I could get here. It would be me. It's amazing how fast we can begin to live in lies, accept 
abuse, even justify our own abuse. The distortion and twistedness that lies due to our soul and to our psyche is profound. Even the subtle ones. Which is why real healing in the face of such abuse ultimately always requires the moment you embrace full truth. For those who are abused and of any nature, oftentimes, unfortunately, it takes us going to the worst moment of life before we can see it. And sometimes it's not being protected from those worst moments of life that get us to the place where we can no longer keep lying to ourselves. Margaret eventually leaves her husband, of course. She finally got to the place because her husband not only had stolen her identity and her soul, he threatened to take her life and the life of her child. That was at least enough motivation for her to leave him, but she was still not free. She goes to paradise, to Hawaii, to live apart from her husband. She even enters into a divorce relationship, but he still has all the power. Until the moment she embraces truth. Do you remember the moment in the movie? Do you remember? Who helped her see truth? Two innocent seeming women who knock on the door. Yes, they're Jehovah Witnesses. And maybe at this time it's time to quit making jokes about Jehovah Witnesses. I don't agree with a lot of what they say. But I wish United Methodists were out sharing the gospel with as much passion as they are. Amen? And she's sitting there reading out of one of the books she received from the Jehovah's Witness visitors to her daughter. And it talks about the fact that you cannot come in front of God without full truth. And that little community of faith and the real truth being told to her begins to change her life. She begins to gain power back, her soul back, and she begins to challenge her abuser. And it leads her to a series of events where she is no longer the abused one. It took a community who could keep telling her truth, who would not judge her brokenness, and would support her until she could finally gain her own power and strength for healing to happen. On that night, the guest preacher called her up. He noticed her from the back. She was bent over. Maybe that's what he noticed. But maybe, from what we know about Jesus Christ, it was not the fact that she was physically bent over that he noticed. It was that somehow she had begun to believe the lies about the fact she wasn't worthy. Maybe she was even to blame for her own condition. And he wasn't going to allow or tolerate that to be true anymore. Maybe he could seize in the eyes of the congregation the fact that none of them expected anything really to happen for any of them in the room that night because, well, we don't do that here. He called her up. He laid his hands on her. He does not take time to listen to her whole story. Have you ever known the truth that sometimes we like to tell our whole story, make sure everyone knows our whole story, even the lies? 
because somehow it makes us feel better about the justification of our brokenness that we've been helping to support. He didn't listen to any of that. He says, you are a daughter of Abraham, our language. You are a child of God. You are not worthless. You didn't cause this. You're not, in the name of God, expected to stay stuck here forever. Yeah, the truth is going to set you free, and I'm the truth, Jesus said in the Gospel of John. I'm going to set you free. Stand and be healed. And in that worship service, all the paradigms changed. Truth could be revealed, and she could stand up. And of course, some in the community were indignant because whenever change occurs in an abusive situation, the one who makes the change oftentimes catches hell. Because it's amazing how entire families and communities can get caught up in justifying the dysfunction and the abuse of those around them. The church was not happy. The preacher was not happy that their service had been interrupted by the healing of this woman because they had gotten so caught up in being faithful and being religious, they couldn't see the need to be compassionate and justice seekers and truth tellers. And in this passage, like the movie, whole paradigm changed. The purpose of the community of faith is to name truth until truth makes people no longer bend over and be broken. It causes them to stand up and live their lives. There's a moment in the movie where I chuckled and some of us applauded. By what denomination was she raised? She was a Methodist. But apparently her church failed her. I don't want this one to fail you. I do not know who of you are in abusive relationships. I only had the experience in my ministry to know that some of you are. I don't know who of you are caught up in a tangle of lies that is just crippling your soul. My experience of my ministry tells me some of you are. And some of you will be, though you think not. So if there's one thing that I can say to you today, let me say this to you. Stop thinking the lies are the greatest power in your life. Stop giving to the lies the power that your abuser wants you to think they are. Stop telling your lies to protect your hidden secrets and addictions as if somehow if they're let go of, you'll have nothing. You are a child of God. You have been created to be mighty and powerful given to be the unique creature and person you are to the world, and anyone who would twist that or limit you from reaching your full potential is propagating lies to you that has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And we want to be a community of faith where you can come in and talk to us and we will stand by you, we will support you, and in the power and love of Jesus Christ, we will seek the healing for you and for your abuser, but we will not tolerate your distortion, your dysfunction, your brokenness, or being bent over ever, ever again. Now, can I get personal for a second? Guys are under a lot of pressure. You're hungry. That makes us under a lot of pressure. But you're in a tough time of life. There's a lot of pressures on you about who you'll be and how you'll be defined and why you matter and how you matter. I know that because, yeah, long ago I used to be you. And I also want to tell you that I raised two daughters. My biggest fear was that one day out of need or emotionals, not paying attention, they would be abused. And I had to go through that. And I just want to say this to you. Men, be the man God made you to be. Stand up to protect those around you, male or female, who need your protection and your friendship. And never accept or tolerate your temptation to let your anger be expressed in words to diminish or scare people. And women, anytime you enter into a relationship that matters to you and that person makes you change who you are or who you could be or tells you lies about yourself that plays into your greatest fears and weaknesses, hear this truth from me. It is not love. And you will not rescue them or save them, nor is that your calling. Be the woman that God created you to be. And never let anyone in your life diminish you. Or tell you any other truth than this. You are worthy as you are. And you deserve to be loved by somebody as you are. And if you only need to hold on to that message today so you can give it to somebody else, hold on to it. Because I guarantee you, there'll be people in your lives who will need to hear truth from you. The world is a broken place, but it is not beyond the power of God to fix and heal. Welcome to worship, because this is the place where you're invited to lay your lies down as you come in, and don't bother to pick them up as you walk out. In the name of Jesus Christ, 
be healed. Stand up. Because you can.